standing before you this morning is a walking miracle. I'll tell you about those as I go along. I came here today to tell you some of what God has done for me. I don't have time to tell you everything. Uh, I told the pastor I'd be done in 35 minutes. Uh, that's not nearly enough time to tell all the goodness of God. But I wrote a book, and Marilyn will be out back uh, offering those after I finish. Let me see the hands of everybody who wants to go to heaven. I think that's everybody. I always wonder if they didn't raise their hand where they want to go. So if we want to go to heaven, why is it that we fear death? Maybe because it's an unknown. We don't know if it'll be painful. Don't know what'll happen to those people we leave behind. I have faced death nine times. I won't tell you about all of those. They're in my book. I had some sinful years when I was away from the Lord. And during that time, I was stationed in Idaho. My best friend and I both had sports cars. So we would take off and go places, a lot of scenery there. And one time we left work and headed out. It was raining. Ahead in the rain, I could see the taillights of a semi. So I was going a lot faster than he. I pulled over to pass that semi. Suddenly gravel hit my fender wells. I knew I was off the pavement. I whipped it back, and it wasn't a semi at all. It was a bridge. The next day as I was coming back through, that bridge crossed a river which was 300 foot straight down. I had a praying mother in my sinful years. In October of 2006, I went in for my annual physical. Doctor asked me lots of questions. Near the end, she said, do you ever have chest pain? No. How about pain down your left arm? No. Well, you know, sometimes I do get a little burning in my chest. I just figure it's indigestion. She didn't like that answer, so she set me up a stress test. I went in, got on the treadmill. It was level and slow, and he gradually would speed it up, raise the elevation, and finally he said, we got about two more minutes. Can you make it? I said, sure. Well, he speeded it up, tilted it higher, and I'm huffing and puffing. All of a sudden, he stopped the treadmill. I said, what's the matter? I could have made it. He said, I saw something I didn't like. So he scheduled me an angiogram. VA is good, but they're slow. The angiogram was going to be in uh, January. 
I began to pray. And the voice of the Lord came to me. He said, get your house in order. I had to call some people that had wronged me and forgive them. I had to call one that I had wronged and ask forgiveness of them. I continued to pray, Lord, if you let me live through this, give me a work to do for you. Pastor, would you read Matthew 6, 19-21? I'd spent a lifetime laying up treasures here on earth. I didn't have time to go to church like I should. And sure enough, just like that scripture says, in 2008, when the stock market crashed, so did my treasures. I went in for the angiogram, January 2007. The oncologist said, well, Mr. Davis, I've got bad news. One of your coronary arteries is 80% blocked. Another one is 100% completely blocked. And a third one is 50%. He said, you are going to have to have triple bypass. He told me he had good news and bad news. I said, what can be good after that? He said, your heart has not been damaged. That was on a Thursday. Surgical team were already scheduled for Friday. They don't work on weekends, and Monday was Martin Luther King Day. So Tuesday, they set me up a surgical appointment. I told the doctor, I said, well, I guess you want me to check into the hospital on Monday afternoon. He said, mister, you ain't going nowhere. He said, you're a walking time bomb. So that very day, I was admitted and lay there with a heart monitor uh, until the time of the surgery. During the surgery, they told me later my heart and lung were stopped for an hour and a half. It must have been during that time. I had left my body. I was walking down a narrow lane. It was too narrow for a car, and it was white, not like our black asphalt. As I walked along, up ahead, I began to see a hill. As I got closer, I noticed there's this huge wall around the hill. I kept walking. As I got closer, I noticed that those walls, there was a bright light 
like a city at night. But this was daytime. I got closer, I noticed the gate. I began to realize I am going to heaven. So I hurried up. I wanted to get there. Just before I got to the gate, everything went black. I woke up that night about 8 o'clock. I had EKG wires. I had drain tubes. I had oxygen, IVs. As I looked at myself, I thought, what a way to go to heaven. And then I looked down at the foot of my bed. There was my youngest daughter and my oldest son. I said, what are y'all doing up here? I knew they were healthy. My daughter said, Dad, you made it. Folks, I was flooded with disappointment. I was that close to heaven, and I had to come back. Read Revelation 21, 10 through 12. Folks, I have seen one of those gates. That proves to me that what the Bible said is true. And if I can believe that part of it, I can believe everything else in the Bible. I have had cancer five times. The first time was in 2009. I developed skin cancer on my lip, probably from smoking all those years. They did surgery, and that seemed to take care of it. 2010, I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. They implanted radioactive seeds, and that went into remission. 2011, I was diagnosed with lung cancer in my left lung. Now, when I was a kid, a diagnosis of lung cancer was a death sentence. Folks, I began to pray. I began to pray, God, if you let me live through this, that I can still have enough breathing capacity that I can go and do. All the doctors met. The oncologist said that cancer has got to come out. The radiologist said it's behind the heart against the spine. Surgeon says in order for me to take the cancer, I have got to take a wedge out of his lung. Pulmonologist said with a wedge removed from his lung, He'll be on oxygen 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I 
I stayed in the hospital nine days. Every breath was an effort because as I breathed, those stitches would rub the cavity wall. At first they had me on a, uh, I can't think of the name of the drug, the powerful drug, and I had a little pump. When I'd get in pain, I'd push the button and it would inject painkiller. About the third day, I was like the little drummer boy. I was in so much pain. On the ninth day, they wheeled me up to the nurse's station. The head nurse said, Mr. Davis, I need for you to sign for your wheelchair. I looked down at that wheelchair. Oh, it was nice. Chrome spokes, leather upholstery, a rack for my oxygen, and I think I could even put a stereo on it. As I looked at that wheelchair, this doesn't compute. I cannot see myself bound to a wheelchair the rest of my life. I looked up toward heaven, and there was an old God spoke to me and said, Well, Jim, do you trust me or not? I looked back at that nurse, and out of faith, I said, Ma'am, I'm not going to need a wheelchair. First Peter 2.24 Think back to the time you were saved. What did God have to do right then for you to be saved? Your salvation was paid for over 2,000 years ago. I think a lot of people overlooked that last phrase in that scripture. On the way to Golgotha, Jesus was beaten Many times, he had stripes across his back. The scripture tells me, by his stripes, we might be healed. Maybe. By his stripes, we are healed. So if you're sick, what else does God have to do for you to be healed? Price is already paid. You gain salvation by accepting Jesus as your Savior. You gain healing. It's already been paid for. It's up there. You have to accept it. Ten weeks after my left lung surgery, I had promised my granddaughter who lives in Ohio, that I would go up there and build a barn for her brand new horse. So I loaded up my tools and my oxygen bottles, and I went to Ohio. And with the help of some of my son's friends, we started building that barn. About the third day, 
I had to go out to the truck to get some more tools. And guess what I found in the back floorboard of my truck? There were all my oxygen bottles, and I had not worn oxygen one time. Well, it didn't end there. 2013, they found cancer in my right lung. That time they opted to do high-powered radiation. I went to Springfield and had four intensive treatments. Every six months, I had to go back for another CT scan to see how that was progressing, how well the radiation was working. December 22nd, 2014, I went in for my follow-up CT scan. Doctor brought it up on the screen. He said, Mr. Davis, I've got bad news. He said, your cancer is spreading. It's now in your liver, your lymph node, and a new place on your lung. He said, it's stage four. I said, well, what does that mean? He said, Mr. Davis, don't expect to live a long time. How long, Doc? Maybe nine months. At first, I was in disbelief. I couldn't believe I was dying, but they had the evidence. My bucket list was that long. I only had that much time. When you face death, some people go into depression. They sit down on the couch, throw a non-stop pity party. I could have done that, but instead I chose to get motivated. There was many things that I should have done could have done, would have done, had not procrastination robbed me of them. I had regrets. Not much about the wrong I had done, because the Lord had forgiven me. I had regrets about what I had not done. Read Second Kings 7, 3 and 4. They had two choices. <clears throat> the city had been besieged by the enemy for months. There was very little food inside. No one going out the gates that they could beg from. They were dying of hunger. The Syrians were camped all around the city. They knew if they went to the Syrians, they were the enemy. 
they might kill them. But on the other hand, they might have pity and give them food. Each one of us have faced some enemy. Mine was mostly sickness. What those lepers found when they got to the encampment of the enemy, God had gone before them. The Syrians had fled. They left their tents, their animals, their weapons, and a multitude of food. They had a feast. If we allow God to go before us, we can find the courage to face our enemy. I made the determination that I'm going to melt the life out of every breath until the last one comes. One thing I'd always wanted to do was fly my little airplane to all 48 states. I hadn't done it because it was going to cost a lot of money and take a lot of time. As I began to pray, the doctor had told me I had nine months to live. As I prayed, the Holy Spirit said, Jim, you got nine months to give. And by the way, until September, nine months to give is the title of my book. I flew to the States. I had two messages. <clears throat> I had planned it. I called uh, flying clubs in every state. I said, locate cancer patients. I want to encourage them. As I went through the eastern 27 states, I was praying. My kids were praying. My church was praying. And everywhere I stopped and told my story, People said, Mr. Jim, we're going to pray for you. I was showing the cancer patients by my example. You don't have to quit living just because you're dying. And in my case, I have life after death. It gave me a chance to tell them salvation's plan. The other message I had, how many people here are healthy? Anybody healthy? Please, once a year, get a complete physical. Cancer initially does not have any symptoms. I was not sick with my cancer. If it had not been for the chest x-ray, I would not have known it. Finished the eastern 27 states. It was time to get my next CT scan to see how well the radiation would work. Doctor again brought it up on the screen, and I noticed he's scratching his head. And I'm looking at him. I said, what's the matter? I don't understand this. I said, what? He said, the spots are all gone. Right there in his office, 
I raised my hand and I praised the Lord. Folks, I have experienced divine healing. God reminded me of the prayer I prayed before my triple bypass surgery. I prayed, Lord, if you let me live, give me a work to do for you. And I got to tell you, facing cancer five times, I began to think God had forsaken me. But when I found out the spots were gone, Holy Spirit again spoke to me. said, now you have a work to do for me. So I go to churches and clubs, and I tell what God has done. I think I forgot something. <clears throat> Read Romans 2.11. Folks, God didn't heal me because I'm better than anybody. He didn't heal me because He loves me more than you. God healed me for His glory. He can do the same thing for you. It takes faith. And if we accept that faith, that healing, that's already been paid for. How would you act? If you knew God had healed you, you'd probably dance and shout and praise the Lord. And you'd go on with the things you would do if you were healthy. That's how faith works. Would you play that song, please? started out, I said, standing here is a walking miracle. I have had three distinct miracles in my life. 
First one was during what I call my sinful years. I was in the Navy. I, would, I had finished my training for nuclear power. I was transferred to Idaho where I got hands-on training operating reactor. Six weeks before we graduated, our orders come in what ship we're going to. My orders were to the USS Thresher, a submarine on the East Coast. Some of you older people might remember what happened to the Thresher in the 60s. It went down in the Atlantic and all aboard were killed. Why was I not on that ship? First of all, I had a praying mother. Two weeks before graduation, the commanding officer came to me and said, Davis, you got your grades? How would you like to stay on here as an instructor? Oh, yeah, I'd like that. Hunting was good. Fishing was good. People were nice. The miracle is this. The Navy has a strict policy. No one is allowed to have shore duty until they've had sea duty. I had a praying mother. I've come back to the second miracle. The third miracle, remember I told you that the surgeon said they had to take a wedge out of my lung? And the pulmonologist said he'll be on oxygen the rest of his life? When the surgeon got in there, that cancer size of my thumbnail had a family. There were threads going everywhere, threads of cancer. He ended up having to take half of my left lung. Folks, if I was going to be on oxygen with a little wedge taken out, whatever would it be with half of the lung gone? You'll notice I didn't wear oxygen today. The greatest miracle I had in my life, I was raised in church. It was a very strict church. I, I remember mostly what I heard preached. If you sin, you're going to hell. Couldn't go to movies. Girls couldn't cut their hair. They couldn't wear makeup. It was very strict. As adolescents approached manhood, I realized I can't live perfect. I'm going to hell. When I joined the Navy, I remember thinking, well, if I'm going to hell anyway, I may as well have some fun. I did for 14 years. One day God got tired of it. He got me down, and we had a very long talk. He said, Jim, I want you back. I said, God, I want to be back but I can't live by man's doctrine. Lord, if you'll take me back, I'll study the scriptures and do my best to live by what it says. I spent two years 
every night at least two hours studying the Bible and praying. The miracle was God cleaned up this old sinner boy and took away the desires to enjoy the pleasures of the world. This body you see standing before you, this is not Jim Davis. I live inside here. If they amputated my arms and my legs, I'd still be Jim Davis. It stands reason to me, once this body dies and goes back to, death, uh, to dust, I will still be Jim Davis. When I get to heaven, I'm going to have a brand new body. He'll never get sick. He won't know pain. There'll be no disappointment. Not even an unkind word. And by the way, I prayed, Lord, when you give me that body, I want it to be 32 years old. I want to challenge everyone that can hear my voice. For the rest of the month of July, I dare you to live like you would if the doctor told you this morning you got nine months to live. My question is this. Why should God give tomorrow to people who waste today? I have emphysema, smoking all those years. I'm a diabetic. I have coronary artery disease. I have an aneurysm on my aorta. I got degenerative discs in my back from my neck to my tailbone. And cancer. But folks, let me tell you, because of the wondrous God that I love, I feel healthy, happy, and terrific. pastor say one time faith does not ask for miracles faith produces miracles one of the first acts of faith that we can do is accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior we're going to open up the altars here and uh, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and you want to take that first step of faith today today is the day we are not promised tomorrow like Jim said why would he want to give you tomorrow if you wasted today? Every day is an opportunity to do God's work and to seek God's face and the pleasures and the joy and the happiness that he would have for your life. And he can take any situation, no matter how dark it is, and use it to glorify the kingdom. We've got to look for God. We've got to continually seek God in everything that we do. And when we're seeking God, we can see Him moving. We can see Him working. And when we say yes to God, the doors open, the walls come down, and there's nothing but joy and happiness to be had because we know where we're going. Jim explained one of his biggest disappointments was not getting 
to walk through that gate when he's seen it. Are you going to get to see the gate one day? Is your walk going to be down a narrow path or is it going to be wide and easy path to walk down? I can assure you that you can find that answer today. Because if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you will walk that narrow path. You will see a city on a hill. If you don't know where you're going, make sure today. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know if there is going to be tomorrow. We've got a Lord that says he's coming back. And he's coming back for his kids, his sons and daughters. We don't know when that's going to be, but we know right now we can make a decision to live for Christ. So as we open up the altars, if you've lost out or if you've lost your way or if you've been blinded or if you've got personal crisis, I pray that you would come and lay it at the foot of the cross. Jesus says, kneel before me and humble yourselves and repent from your sin and turn away from it. Today is that day. Today is the day that we can start living. And I mean truly living. Make the decision today to truly live.